Our reading this morning comes from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, uh, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Amen. We pray that God would bless his word to us. The second Lord of the Rings book and film, The Two Towers, uh, has uh, a famous scene where the wizard Gandalf uh, seemingly returns from the dead. He was Gandalf the Grey, he fell into a big pit, and he comes back as Gandalf the White. And so when his friends first meet him, they're uh, a little confused. They think he's dead. They don't recognise him. They think that they're actually seeing someone else. They they had seen with their own eyes him die, him fall into the darkness. They knew he was gone. And yet, here he was, the same person, but a little bit different. He'd gone from grey to white. There was something new, and yet it was the same man. Over the past couple of months, we've been thinking about meeting Jesus. And last week, we, we saw him on trial. Uh, and what we've kind of, uh, I don't want to say skipped over, but what we kind of have is his, his death. We saw him sentenced to death, and then he's put to death. And yet the, the amazing story is, after the cross, uh, we jump forward to the first day of the week, where Jesus rises from the dead. Uh, and there's, there's confusion, though. Because as we read the story, who we're focusing on today is Mary Magdalene. And she doesn't even recognise Jesus, a bit like the example we gave at the start. 
And yet at the same time, we see Mary coming to to joy, to hope, as she meets Jesus, as she finally recognises him and sees who he is and begins to understand. She doesn't fully understand, but she begins to understand what uh, he's really going to to do. The the resurrection is one of the the, the central truths of Christianity. Uh, We talked about it a few weeks ago with, uh, with Lazarus. We talked about it when we launched as well, uh, the living hope that we have. That's because this matters. Without the resurrection, you don't have Christianity. This is central. Um, It's exactly why we meet together today on Sunday, because it's the first day of the week. The Jews met on Saturday, the Sabbath. Well, we meet on Sunday because we're celebrating and giving thanks for the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We, we need to know this. We need to appreciate it. We need to, to love this. We need to love Jesus. The big question that everyone in society has, though, is, is it true? And how can you believe it's true even? What, what evidence do you have that this even happened? We need to, to deal with these questions. Those of us who are Christians as well, we need to, to, to know these things because people have these questions. But then perhaps a more important question to at least some of us is, why does it matter? Does it matter? What, what does it mean for me? And I think we kind of answer uh, both these questions as we see Mary Magdalene meeting Jesus, not for the first time, but meeting the resurrected Jesus for the first time. This, this same man and yet somehow uh, a little bit different. So uh, thinking about is it true and does it matter? Though, the first thing we're going to see is true. Second of all, we'll see uh, Mary looking for Jesus. And third of all, we'll see Jesus looking uh, for Mary and looking for us. So first of all, it's true. Uh, And this passage that we read, I think, really makes that point. Uh, Some time ago, a man called Lee Strobel saw that his wife had become a Christian. Well, he was an atheist. They'd both been atheists, I believe. And he he was an avowed atheist, zealous for atheism. Uh, and he was a journalist as well, a legal editor, so you can imagine the, the kind of minds he had. And so what he did was he examined the evidence. He looked at all the evidence and he said this, in light of the scientific evidence that points towards a creator and the historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus, I came to the conclusion that it would have required more faith for me to maintain my atheism than to become a Christian. It's a true story. And the Bible itself gives this compelling evidence for its truth. Of course, most people uh, in the modern world, and to be honest, most people throughout history, would say that this is impossible. That it couldn't have happened. That the Bible must be a myth, a work of fiction, written either by deceitful people, or people who just didn't know any better, or whatever else. They might put it on the same level as, as Lord of the Rings. But even the way John and and all the other gospel writers tell the story points to it being true. They're writing this as truth, not as a story, not as something they made up, but something that they believe is true. And and maybe it's worth mentioning, sort of as an aside, but no one seriously, even in in academia, denies that the events recorded are are recorded in a historical way. Most wouldn't believe the, the supernatural aspects of it, but it is highly historically attested, one of the most of that period of history. 
But the, 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 in, in the passage, you know, the, the first thing that tells us this is true is that a woman goes to the tomb. And that might sound like a very mundane thing uh, to most of us. This woman is the first person to see Jesus. But in Jewish society, the testimony of a woman was worthless. It wasn't even admissible in court. It was, it was pointless, really. If you were trying to convince someone of the truth of something... You wouldn't include that. If you were lying, you wouldn't say, oh, this woman saw it. Uh, It was a different time. But if you were trying to deceive people, you would say how Peter and John went first and met Jesus. And that would be the the story. But John's simply writing what happened. The most logical explanation is this is simply what happened. Mary Magdalene went first. She saw. And so that's what John wrote down. This is what happened. He's just writing down the truth. He's just writing down what happened happened and so that's the, the, the first thing no one in that time would use a woman's evidence to to make uh, this story no one would use mary magdalene who uh, as we'll maybe touch on later probably didn't have the best reputation uh, in uh, the the community uh, she, she had demons she was seen as a, a very sinful woman and the second thing as well it's a very detailed story you know all the little things add together to paint the picture of something that, that's happened. It's not a vague recollection. It's not too detailed where it just kind of sounds made up. It's just, you know, even the thing, you know, where, where one disciple beats the other to, to the tomb. You know, it seems, it, it's probably, some people try and see something spiritual in that. It's probably just what happened. It's kind of a, a mundane thing that happened. And that's kind of the, uh, again, it's the way it's written. It's, this is just what happened. So John's written it down. He was probably the one who made it first. Um, the third thing though is what some would have argued oh the body was just stolen but then the the grave clothes were they were folded up and they were separated the the, the face cloth and the grave clothes and you can imagine a thief wouldn't well probably wouldn't strip the body before stealing it that would be a bit weird Um, and as well even if they did that they're not going to neatly fold the face cloth are they and then go on their merry way with the body this is just what happened. The body wasn't stolen. And, and fourth, the disciples themselves. These men were willing to die for their faith. Peter and John and others. They were ready to die. Peter did die. Others died. In fact, in Acts chapter 12, you have James, who we'll probably see next week as well. He died for his faith, one of the 12 disciples. Would that many people really be willing to put their life on the line for a lie that was making them outcasts in society, that met in persecution when they could have just fished for a living, they could have uh, just stuck with the Jewish community and just been had quite a nice life. No, they went out, they told people about Jesus, they told people about the resurrection because it's what they'd seen and they were willing to die for it. They were willing to do whatever it took. They were willing to travel across oceans simply to tell people about Jesus because it happened because it's true and then fifth uh later on in the bible first corinthians 15 says how jesus appeared to over 500 people this wasn't just 12 people plus mary magdalene making massive claims it was something that a lot of people saw it was you you could go and ask people did this really happen and they would say i don't believe it in a way but i saw it with my own eyes yes this happened jesus rose from the dead it just it's just 
what happened. And it did seem impossible. You would maybe say that, oh, well, you know, they were just gullible fools 2,000 years ago. We've got science, we've got technology. But even Thomas, uh, again, we'll probably see this more next week, but he's been called Doubting Thomas because he couldn't believe it. And really, none of them could so much. He just couldn't comprehend a man rising from the dead in this way, even though he'd seen Lazarus rise from the dead. But, but Jesus had done that. This was something completely different because Jesus had risen himself. No one had rolled the stone away. It just happened. He knew no one could rise from the dead like this. And yet his eyes didn't deceive him. Jesus was right there. It was, it was and is beyond reasonable doubt. Jesus has risen from the dead. And, and that matters in itself, that this is, this is a, we, it's a historical faith, it's a, a historical fact that happens. The evidence points to that. And, and that's important. A guy called Tim Keller explains it this way. Christianity opens not with here's how you have to live, but here's what Jesus did for you in history. Our faith is based on what happened, on what Jesus did for us. He died on the cross and he rose from the dead. And that gives us hope. That gives us hope that we too will rise from the dead physically, resurrected bodies. It's not how you have to live, as Tim Keller says, but what Jesus has done for us. That is the basis of our faith. We trust in what Jesus has done for us, not on what we do. And that's why we need to to believe in this resurrection, to know that it's true, because it's the basis of our faith. Um, and without the resurrection, if we go back to 1 Corinthians 15, it, it tells us that, that we're to be pitied if the resurrection didn't happen. We're to be pitied because without the resurrection, we've got nothing. We've got a worthless faith. If it wasn't a true historical event, it would, it would mean nothing. But it did happen. And that changes everything, as Mary Magdalene herself experiences that day. So second, we want to see Mary Magdalene looking for Jesus. Or we could call this point looking for the wrong thing. Uh, Looking for Jesus isn't the wrong thing, but you'll see what I mean in a moment. We we know the panic of looking for something that's that's precious, that we've we've lost. Uh, And Mary, you know, even though she she believes Jesus is dead, you know, the the body's still precious. His gravesite is still precious. We know that ourselves when a loved one has passed away. We, we, we want to visit uh, where they've been laid to rest. And, and even, uh, even the things that we have now, if, if we lose something, we're desperate to find it. Recently, I was in the, the woods uh, and Archie saw deer and he ran away. Uh, and this is low compared to, to what's going on here. But, you know, there was panic. I was running through the undergrowth, crossing rivers, searching for him. And I, w- I was in genuine anxiety over what was happening. Uh, and I kept looking and I thought he's gone on the road, he's going to have been hit by a car and I'm going to have to phone Lydia because she's in the office and I'm going to have to tell her this has happened and oh no, it was all just horrible. And I'm scrambling down a riverbank and I look round and I see this face and he's just appeared there, happy as can be. He'd ran all the way round and you can imagine the relief, but I didn't even notice him at first, it was so unexpected. Uh, and I was looking in the wrong place. Mary Magdalene is looking. She's panicking. She's, she's devastated. And yet Jesus was right there. We don't really know much about Mary Magdalene. She'd had seven demons. We know that from Luke's gospel. And, and many throughout history have associated her with another sinful woman in the gospels and decided she was a prostitute and so on. We don't really know for sure. 
But we do know she, she had these demons. She probably wasn't uh, the most acceptable person in society. Uh, she wasn't one of the great people of the world. She wasn't important in most people's eyes. But she followed Jesus, and Jesus cared for her, as we'll see. She was devoted to him. Look at her going to the tomb early in the morning to, to do the, the, the rites, to, to put the spices there and stuff. But she's looking for the wrong thing because she's looking for the dead when she should have been looking for the living. Her day doesn't start well. She finds no body. She runs to tell Peter and John. She's too afraid to even go in the tomb. And at this point, she seems to assume he's been stolen. Uh, uh, And after the the men come and they go, she's left at the tomb uh, weeping. I don't know what that says about the men, that they leave her there weeping, but uh, that's maybe beside the point. But everything's fallen apart. Life has become a misery because Jesus' body is gone. That's what she was looking for. And because she can't find it, life has become worthless. Not even his burial site to visit for some small comfort. And of course, as we read, the angels come and that doesn't take the grief away. They, they ask the question and they're not being uncaring or callous. They're, they're trying to get her to, to see something that didn't Jesus say he'd come back is really what they're saying. This is a day of joy. But Mary can't see it all yet. And all she can say is they've taken away my Lord. And then someone else comes. And of course, we know it's Jesus, but she believes it's the the, the gardener or, or someone uh, like that. And it's all, all happening. She, she misses what's right before her eyes. She misses Jesus himself. It's a bit like what we said at the start, isn't it? And you might think, how is that possible? I mean, he must have looked pretty similar. Uh, you know, she was so devoted to Jesus. How could she not recognise? Surely she'd just be happy. Well, what she's doing is what most of us today do, is, well, she's, she's looking for the dead, as we said. She isn't expecting to see Jesus. Her search isn't for the living Jesus because she can't, she can't comprehend, she can't conceive of a man rising from the dead in this way. Her God, you could say, is too small. She just can't comprehend. She's looking for something, for a dead body, when she should be looking for the living Jesus, the one who was right before her. She wants something. She wants, she wants Jesus, but she's just not quite got it. She's looking a little bit in the wrong place, and, and we're no different. You know, we can look at Mary and think, how did she not see? Well, we're no different. So many people, uh, no matter where they are in faith, are looking for something in life but maybe not the resurrected Jesus. People want fulfillment, but look for it in the wrong places. The endless list of things we can use to make life good and feel permanent and meaningful, to find hope, whether it's money, career, sex, pleasure, power, whatever. And even if people want some sort of spirituality, people will look for it in mediums and horoscopes and in spiritualists. I saw an advert for one on a Facebook group in Helensburg recently, positive thoughts and so on. And really what we do is we we miss who God is. Uh, And even as Christians, those of us who believe, we like to almost create a God of our own imagination. One who who just kind of fits in with our preconceived ideas. One who who, who does what we want him to do. Uh, And maybe not as much as that, but Mary's kind of doing that. She's, She's looking for something, but she's looking for the wrong thing because she has this expectation of what should happen, of what's supposed to happen, of, of where Jesus is supposed to be. And, and that's what she's doing. And she's kind of picked and choose the parts about God and Jesus and ignored some, some other things, not deliberately, 
but just because she can't conceive of anything else. And we do worse, even, because we like to pick and choose parts about God and Jesus that fit in with our way of thinking in 2022 and ignore the parts that might challenge us or that we might just not want to think about. People like to talk about love, but when it comes to holiness, we might be slightly less interested, uh, if we're honest, just for one example. Uh, And that's the thing in society. People talk about love so much and they'll say, God is love, so why do you believe this? Why do you believe that? And you see the the tendencies to twist the meaning and turn it into something that never goes against us. We, We want to believe in something so many people do. But what we need is the resurrected Jesus. That's what we need to see first and foremost. We need him. We need this historical resurrected Jesus and all that he says and offers. Mary is looking for just slightly the wrong thing. She's looking for the right thing, really, but she's missed something. And we need to watch out that even as we're looking for God, that we're not just creating our own God, that we're not just uh, making ourselves more comfortable. I, I spoke to someone recently who, who thought that the best thing to do was just to take all the different parts of religions, whatever religion, and mash them together. And just that's how you became a good person. That You just brought all these things, took the best bits, and um, then you could live a good life. And that was fine. And you see, it's kind of, it's looking for something. It's looking for that hope. It's looking for that new life that, that Jesus brings. But it's saying, I don't really want the resurrected Jesus. That's too much for me. I want what makes me feel comfortable, what makes me feel good. That, in in not as extreme a way as Mary Magdalene's problem, she's looking for the wrong thing. But the good news is that God doesn't wait for Mary to work it out. God doesn't wait for her to to go and search and, and so on. Instead, he goes to her. Uh, And again, Tim Keller points out that we'd be lost if God waited for us to to find him. We can't find God. We're, we're, We're not really looking for him as we should be. He comes to us. And wonderfully, our final point is he does. Because Jesus meets Mary. One of the things that I love about God, about the Bible, is that despite his greatness, his creative power and so on, The way he interacts with this world isn't simply in the grand things, in the big events with the the greatest people. What we so often see from beginning to end of the Bible is God dealing with the individual. Often not the big important people, as we said, Mary Magdalene herself isn't an important person. And the way he deals is, well, he, he describes himself as gentle and lowly. He's humble with them. He isn't judgmental. Or, or, or mean-spirited. With the religious elites, with those who depend on themselves, he has choice words. But with, with people, mourners like Mary, uh, and as we saw with the other Mary and Martha, the tomb of Lazarus, he's compassionate, he's kind, he's loving. Uh, and so he comes to her and he asks, why are you crying? And she still doesn't recognise him, uh, as we read. Uh, 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 and... All Jesus says is her name. He says, Mary. And at that moment, when he says her name, it's so familiar. And he sees that, she sees that Jesus has risen. But you see, Jesus takes the initiative in his love. He's the one who comes to us. And he brings us forgiveness for our sins. And he shows us the hope of the resurrection. You know, the story of the Bible, some people think it's, it's man's search for God. 
but it's just the opposite. It's the story of God's search for man, of God's love for humanity, his desire to see us saved, his, his complete steadfast love for us. None of us would really look for God. In fact, Paul says in Romans, no one seeks God. We might seek the things we were just talking about. We seek some sort of spirituality. We seek something more in life. But the, the living God, Jesus, the resurrected Saviour, we don't search for him as we should. But fortunately, he searches for us. He comes to us and he rescues us. And as Mary Magdalene faces the reality of death, instead she's brought to see that life, eternal life, is the hope for anyone who trusts in Jesus because he has risen from the dead and she, he's there before her eyes. And she can see if Jesus rose from the dead, then there is hope for this world. Uh, but her response is to cry out, Rabboni, it means teacher. It's quite familiar. She's seeing someone she loves. And, and what we see is that, that she's clinging on to Jesus. Jesus says, don't cling to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. She's clinging on. You can imagine the scene. Imagine how it feels, someone you loved who's gone and they're there before you. You wouldn't let go of them, would you, in case they went again? That would be the biggest fear. She loves him so much and there he is. She, she holds on to him. She's devoted to him. And then Jesus tells her to stop because he's going to ascend to the Father. And Mary's to go and tell the other disciples. And maybe that seemed a bit deflating for her. He's back, but then he's going to go away again. But Jesus is telling her that he's going to be more with her than, than even than he is now. Because he says in John 14 that he went to prepare a place for his people. And in chapter 14, he says that he'll send another helper, the Holy Spirit. In other words, because Jesus goes up to his father, to our father, as we'll see in a moment, that we have a place, that we have eternal life. He's preparing a place. He's gone up and he's waiting for us. And even more, he's sent a helper. He sent the Holy Spirit. And in that sense, he is with us. He was with Mary and he is with us. And what it tells us for today is that the relationship that we have with Jesus is a very personal one. Not individualistic, don't misunderstand me, but a very personal one. When we believe in Jesus, we're not just seeing him from afar. Even though he's up in heaven, we're not just seeing him from afar. We may not cling to him in the physical way that Mary did, but he's gone up to prepare a place for us, to send that helper, the Holy Spirit. And so he's not some far off celebrity that we'd like to meet or something. What we have is true friendship with Jesus, a real relationship through the, the Holy Spirit. It doesn't make it less real, it's supernatural, but it's wonderful. And Jesus is with us. And in fact, we have that, that status of being part of his family. Uh, Jesus tells Mary, my father and your father. He's saying, you're my sister. He's saying to us, you're my brother, you're my sister. You're part of the family. We are children of God. We're his sons and daughters and he cares for us. And that's what Mary is being told. What she's discovering, the resurrection means that we belong to Jesus' family. And he has prepared a place for us. And we will be with him and we will live forever. And right now we have the Holy Spirit with us. We have the spirit of Jesus with us we have a personal relationship it could not be closer and we've said it before but there is a world of difference between knowing about jesus and even memorizing the bible and so on and actually knowing jesus himself the bible is the way that we know him but there is a difference between knowing him 
and knowing about him. I can read up on any mildly famous person on Wikipedia and learn some facts about them. It certainly doesn't mean that I know them. In the same way, we need to know Jesus and we can know him. Jesus rising from the dead, he offers you friendship, belonging to his family. And it's not just for the future, although it is wonderfully for the future. It's real belonging and relationship now. Jesus comes to us. And we have that intimate relationship with him. And maybe just to, to throw some challenge in there. Well, do we seek that intimacy with him? He's come to us. Are we clinging on to him like Mary? Or are we content to have him at a little bit of a distance? Do we, do we speak to him in prayer? Do we spend time in his word? Yes, reading the word isn't what, um, knowing about Jesus isn't what saves us. And yet his word is how he communicates to us, how we get to, to know him by his spirit as well. We need that word. We need prayer. We need to spend time with our God, with our Father. And so the challenge is, what value do we place on that relationship? What place does it have in our lives? Because we know that in any friendship or marriage or whatever else, if we're not investing the time, if we're not taking the time, if we're not actually dedicated to that relationship, it's not going to be healthy. And I admit, this isn't easy for us. And, and we always have to remember that it is Jesus who comes to us first and that that is our, our foundation. And we can feel pressure when we hear these, these challenges. And that's not the intention. And sometimes we do feel sad. We feel tired. We feel far from God. The best advice I can give in these times is, well, to turn to God's word and to turn to the Psalms and let them be our prayers. And we find that whole range of human emotion. We find that we're not the first to feel like that. We're not the only ones. And that God uh, validates these feelings because he's recorded them for us in the Bible. But ultimately, what we need is more time with him in his word, in prayer, spending quality time with our Savior, with our Father, with our brother. We have that relationship with him and we need to live it out. And when times are good, all the more reason to keep going in that because times will get hard and bad. And when we've been spending that time, then we are more prepared. The resurrection does mean we have that close relationship, whether we feel it every day or not. He is with us. He promises never to leave us or forsake us. As we see Mary weeping, her sorrow turns to joy. Jesus comes to her and he knows her. She has that hope. She has that comfort. She has that relationship with Jesus. And, and what we would see of her is she does go. She does tell the disciples. She tells them, I've seen the Lord. I've seen him with my own eyes. She goes forward in life knowing that Jesus is there, that he has come to her and that he will not leave her. The resurrection is true. And the resurrection does matter because it means that Jesus comes to us. It means that Jesus offers us hope, that he offers us eternal life, that he has a place for us. And it means that he is with us by the Holy Spirit right now, every single day. We need to know him. We need to be with him. And he will always be with us. Trust in the resurrected Jesus. There is no substitute. There is nothing else that will do but Jesus risen from the dead. May God bless these thoughts to us.